you'd stand. And I'm going to try not to preach too long. I think this is the warmest of the days we've had, I believe. At least it feels that way to me. Um, so I promise you not to preach any longer than, than necessary. But I do feel like I have something to share today. And uh, to all of you ladies, to all of the sisters, you are about to be um, completely in the, in the safe zone. As I've come to preach, not just to fathers, it is Father's Day and this will apply to fathers, but I, I really, I've, I've come to preach to the, to the men here today. And I don't mean men just simply by 21 years and older, to those that are in the process of becoming men, to our young men, I, I, I'm, I'm asking you to hear what the Lord would say to us today. So, ladies, this would be a great service just to, just to be full of amens. Unless your, husband is, unless your husband is sitting beside you, you may want to be careful when you say an amen. That may not be the best thing to say amen if your husband is sitting next to you at certain times. But uh, in all seriousness, brethren, I, I feel like I have a word from the Lord to challenge us today. And um, hopefully we will all open our minds, our hearts, our spirits to what the Lord would like to say. Genesis 3, verse number 1. Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam said, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Verse number 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam... And said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on this subject. Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? Father, thank you for the privilege we have today of gathering together to worship you, to lift up your name, 
to exalt the name that is above every name. Thank you that in spite of our circumstances, it doesn't matter where we gather, you gather with us. Your presence is manifested as we begin to lift up and exalt your name. And I I thank you for your presence that's been here today, God. Father, I thank you for your spirit that's already ministered here today. I pray now that through your word you would speak to our hearts. I especially pray, God, for every man, every young man that's gathered here today, that you would give us ears that would hear what you would desire to say to us today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like to welcome everyone today, and especially if you're a guest with us today. We are so happy to have you in service with us as we gather outside to lift up and worship the name that is above every name. Amen. The Bible says that the Lord came and it appears as though it was a a sort of a routine thing for God to come in the cool of the evening. Just think about the cool of the evening. Just go in your mind to the cool of the evening. Just pretend it is the cool of the evening. (laughs) I'm not done reading scriptures, but I'm afraid my iPad is going to uh, get barbecued here on the black podium in the hot sun. (laughs) God would come in the cool of the evening to fellowship with Adam and Eve. And so after this scene where Eve has eaten of the forbidden fruit and Adam has partaken of it as well, God comes as he normally comes, but Adam and Eve know that they have violated God's instruction and so they are now hiding from God. It's kind of funny to me, we do the same thing, but how we try to hide from the one who sees everything. (laughs) The one that you can't hide from. Not only can you not hide from him, he knows everything you think. He knows everything that goes on in your mind. But Adam and Eve hide from God, or they try to hide from God. And I can also tell you, you can see it other places in Scripture, if God is asking a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. If God is asking a question, it's not because he needs your help. You really probably should just kind of be silent because he's probably just setting you up. But God shows up for their time of fellowship and Adam and Eve are not at the place where they usually are. And so God calls out, Adam, where art thou? Where are you, Adam? I have always thought of this verse. I've always thought of this question in basically a literal figurative sense. Adam is trying to hide from God. He's trying to avoid God because of what they've done and knowing that they have violated the instructions of God. And so he is physically trying to hide. And so when God asked the question, Adam, where are you? That's what was meant. Where are you? 
But over the last couple of days, I've come to think maybe there's a deeper part of that question than just simply saying, Adam, where are you physically? Adam, where are you hiding or where are you trying to hide? But could it be there was something deeper? I've said it before. I used to, I used to struggle when I took college English classes and you'd have to read a poem and you'd come into the next class and you'd sit there to discuss that poem and I'd read that poem and I'd, I'd finish and I'm like, what in the world does this mean? I don't understand this. This makes no sense. And then we'd come in and sit for 20, 30 minutes and the professor would finally have to cut off the discussion because of everything people have understanding from one line of the poem. Like, how in the world did you get all of that from that? But I think with God, it works that way as well. Sometimes we don't see what's on the surface, but other times we, we see what's on the surface. But if we're not careful, there's way more going on than just what we see on the surface. And so I kind of think that maybe this question that God was asking Adam was not just simply, Adam, where are you physically? But maybe what God was also saying was, Adam, where are you as the man that I created you to be? I'm not just wanting to know where you are physically, Adam. I'm trying to figure out this is not what I made you for. This is not what I had in mind when I created you, Adam. In fact, in Genesis, and for the sake of time, I, I won't read the verses. I'll just simply give you the reference if you want to look at it yourself later. But Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26 through 28 is, and this is prior to Eve's birth. or excuse me, prior to Eve's creation, been interrupted by horns and now by sirens. Prior to Eve's creation, God says to Adam, Adam, I'm giving you dominion. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you the responsibility to rule over my creation. This is why I've created you. You know what? Our, our world just twists so much. I was going to say everything. I won't quite go that far, but so much of what God's cr done in creation. We, we have this idea of trying to get equality between men and women. And, and yes, men and women, no, man is, the male is no more important than the female. I may rub a few of you wrong here with this today, but equality is not men and women doing the same things. Oh, hallelujah. That's, that's, what is, that's what many women have striven for. We want to be able to do. We are, we are good enough to do the same thing. I, I hope, I'm going to give you an example. I may offend some of you, but hopefully you'll just hear me out. And, you know, women to, you know, equal, equality is women on the battlefield. 
That's not equality. It's not equality because God designed the female for better than that. Oh, hallelujah. I, if, I, if I make any of you ladies mad here today, not my problem. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm in the book. You were made for, you weren't made to roll around in the dirt on the battlefield someplace. Not what you were made for. We were made from the dust of the earth to roll around in the dust to protect you. Not because we're better than you. But now we're in this, what's all about equality is doing the same thing. That's, that's not equality. Equality is each one of us being what God designed us to be. For a man to do what a woman does doesn't make him an equal to a woman. And vice versa. For you to do as a lady what God created you to do and be, and me to do and be what I'm supposed to be as a male, that's equality. Oh, hallelujah. I, I know I'm, I'm sure the feedback or, or the pushback I'm feeling is from somewhere out there in the spirit world. It's not from here. So God says to Adam first, I give you dominion. I am giving you the authority and the responsibility to govern what I have created. And it doesn't take very long. I don't know how long it was literally, but figuratively, it doesn't take very long for Adam to mess that up. To shirk his responsibility as the covering and the protector of Eve. We don't, we shouldn't, I'm sorry, but we shouldn't blame Eve. Eve's not the one that messed it up. Adam's the one that messed it up. Because at the very least, Adam could have stepped in when Eve went to hand him that piece of fruit and said, no, God said. And I don't think the story would have went the same way if Adam would have stepped in. But rather than stepping up and being the man and the leader he was supposed to be, Adam simply gave in and partook of the fruit as well. And God shows up after that. And again, I don't think the real question was, where are you physically, Adam? But the question is, where are you as the man? And the man I created you and what I create, where are are you as the ruler of and with authority to rule over your surroundings and not become dominated by your surroundings where are you where are you as the leader where where are you as the covering where where are you as the one that's not just simply going to give in to what's popular and give in to what's going on around you where are you as the man i created you to be adam this you hiding somewhere because of what you've done. That, that's not who you are, Adam. That's not what I created you to be, Adam. Where, where are you? Listen to what the Lord says. Ezekiel chapter 22. He says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me. For the land that I should not 
destroy it, but I found none. I, I sought for a man. There are places in Scripture where the word man or mankind is used, and it's not intended to be gender-specific. It's not intended to be strictly about the male. It's, it's the general term to refer to humanity. But I, I, I looked up this word man that I just read to you, and as best I can tell, it's actually referring to, I looked for a man. What's very interesting, I read a bunch of the other translations as I was studying for this, and there are many of those other translations, the more modern translations, that leave out the word man. And they make it less gender specific. Hmm, interesting. Interesting that we are now in a world that's trying to diminish the differences between the genders. Sad when the Bible is translated in a way to appeal to that. He said, I looked for a man because the context, and we know, we, we, we've experienced it and we will experience. There are ladies that are a part of this church, ladies all over the world that have been a part of spiritual warfare and intercession. And, 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 and I'm not talking about all of that today. I'm talking about a principle here. That the principle with which God was referring to, that I look for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. The, the idea there was that there was a vulnerability in a wall of protection. That hedge was, it was, it's like a fence. It's, it's like the surroundings to protect something. I've been watching, I think I've referenced this, but over the last couple of months in some of my time of just sort of vegging out. I know none of you have vegged out the last three months. You've, you've been on top of everything. You're just, you're living up there in the third heaven with Paul. I haven't been there, so. And so I, I, I don't know why, but I've gotten into watching some Red Bull TV. I have several reasons why I think I watch it, but it apparently demonstrates that there is part of my manhood that is lacking. I watched, I've watched, been watching the last couple of days for a little bit here and there, these, these high-line walkers. These guys stretch these, these cords or whatever, and they're not ropes, they're almost like straps. They... They stretch them across. They, they, they were, they one, one place they were doing it in Norway. You've ever seen those fjords in Norway? They're amazing. And they're stretching these things across. And then this one guy, a lot of them, they have a cable that's kind of hooked on their back and hooked to the, to the, to the rope. And if they fall, it can help catch them. But this, this one guy, his big deal was he wanted to cross it without the cable. Why? I, I, why? I mean, I, I think I've referenced this already, but I, I mean, I've been on the roof of my house a couple of times in the last. I was trying to clean the gutters the other day. I was trying to paint the, uh, the, this week. I was up on the roof painting this one spot, and I'm like, 
I mean, it, there, there's there's all kinds of space. I'm not even near the edge, and I'm all leaned up trying to make sure I'm not slipping, trying to hold with one hand, paint with the other hand. I'm like, I am such a sissy. I mean, this guy is walking across this fjord, and I can't even sit on my 8-foot high, 10-foot high roof. Why was I getting into all that? Anybody know? Jason, where you at? Come on, man. You've been letting me down lately. You used to help me all the time. What? I don't know. Oh, now I do. There we go. This guy, there was an eclipse that was coming at the Arctic Circle. And he wanted to... He wanted to get a picture of skiers on the mountain in this eclipse. And that requires like a three or four day trip on snowmobiles in the Arctic. And so one night they stopped, set up camp, and they made out of the snow, the ice, they made a a, uh, a, a, a walled barrier around their camp. Because there were polar bears known to be in the area. And so they took turns that night, took shifts watching. Because they needed a protection. They built that wall for security. I wonder, I'm not here, I'm a, I am a guy, I am a guy, I am a man. May not be as manly as some of you other men, but I am a man. I have no questions, no doubts about that. Two times in one message, it just lost. The, it's got to be the heat. Got to be the heat. Protection, polar bears. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't know if this was it or not, but we'll pretend it was. Okay, just act like it was. There's a there, there's a hedge, and there is a need for a protector, and I'm looking, and he says I can't. Oh, I know what. Here we go. Man, always does that. I must have a element of pride that God is still trying to. I, I'm not a I'm not a male basher, and I don't appreciate some of the attitudes some women have about men, because there's a reason to have some attitude about some women. But I wonder how much of the issues in our world today, I wonder how much of the problem in society that we're facing today is because God's been looking for a man. And too many men have been giving up their responsibilities. Too many fathers have been walking out on households. Or, and, and, and I, don't, I wouldn't say this is worse, but there is still great damage from a father who hasn't walked out on a household but lives in a household where he is always mentally and emotionally absent. You may live with your family, fathers. 
You may be at home, but if you sit in your chair all the time on your iPad and you are absent-minded from everybody, you're doing a disservice. If you're constantly on your phone doing something, you may be there physically, but they need you more than physically. And if you're sitting there locked away in your man cave watching your TV all day long because you put in a hard day's work, they need more than you physically present. They need you mentally, emotionally connected and present. I'm not saying you don't need some of your own time, but they need a man that's not just there physically. And I do believe part of the problems of our world today is because there's been too many hedges that a man was supposed to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but he was shirking his responsibility. Isaiah gives us a great example of what we as men are supposed to do. Isaiah 6 and verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which had taken, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away way and thy sin is purged also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us then said I here am I send me God if you're looking for some men today if you need some men as husbands and you need some men as fathers and you need some young men that may not be that yet but they're developing and growing into that if you need some young men that aren't just going to give in to what society says and they're not just going to give in to prayer pressure or temptation they're not just going to give in to sexual immorality because of their fleshly tendencies but they're going to have respect for the opposite sex to say I'm not going to put my hands all over you until I say I do because God's looking for some men so I got a question today to those of you that are gathered here and to those of you that may be watching right now where are are you Adam where are you Adam are you hiding are you hiding because you've not fulfilled your responsibility that God has given you are you hiding because of fear I think I let me see my phone I didn't think I didn't think this was I really, I haven't, I haven't spent hours, and I know I'm talking a lot of Red, Red Bull TV right now, but I feel defensive to tell you, I, I haven't spent hours and hours doing it. I just kind of here and there. This, this was, this was, this, this wasn't the, this wasn't the same guy that crossed without the safety cable. This was another guy. 
these other guys, they were, they were going across on it, and then they get halfway out, and then they jump off with their parachutes, base jumping. I'm telling, they were dropped on their head as a baby or something. I don't know. You, something is not wired right. And this guy was—he had just kind of gone out a few feet on that on that cable and slipped. And as he fell, he grabbed the wire, hung on, got resituated. And when he got off the cable, he made this statement, Brother Benner. I already thought he was mental, but after this statement, after he had slipped and caught himself, he said, I, re- I, I realized the fear is unwarranted. Do what? The fear is unwarranted? The fear that if you sl- if you fall off this cable, you're dying. That's unwarranted. I mean, it's unwarranted for me to be afraid of jumping off that curb over there. That's unwarranted. It's fairly unwarranted for me to be afraid of jumping off this platform. But at almost forty nine, that's more and more something to be concerned about. The fear is unwarranted. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I do not agree in the least with that man that the fear is unwarranted in those circumstances. But I want to tell some men gathered here today, there is some fear that some of you are living under. The fear of failing as a husband. The fear of failing as a father. The fear of failing as the man of God, God created you to be. That I am going to declare to you today. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I haven't felt it much, but I feel it right now. That fear is unwarranted. That fear is unwarranted. The fear that you're going to simply repeat the mistakes of the past in your family, that's an unwarranted fear. The fear that you're going to be the same husband your father was, that's an unwarranted fear. The fear that you're going to become the same kind of father your father was, that's an unwarranted fear. And the reason I can say that's an unwarranted fear is because when you passed by Calvary and you repented of your sins and you got baptized in the name of Jesus, and you were filled with the Holy Ghost, there was a line that was drawn by the blood of Jesus. And everything on the other side of that line does not have a right to have a hold on you. There are some unwarranted fears. The fear that you can't be the man you're supposed to be is unwarranted because God has equipped you and empowered you and provided every tool necessary. So why don't we just kind of make up our minds today that we're going to shake off that fear and decide, you know what, I'm not going to live in the fear of tomorrow that I'm just simply going to make the same mistakes that have been made in my family's past or even in my past. But I can be different because of the blood of Jesus. I think it was the first Thursday night. I'm almost done. Don't sit down, Nathaniel. Go ahead and give him hope. The first Thursday night, I believe it was, I talked about Enoch. Enoch 
experienced something that few in the Bible experienced. He didn't see death. He was translated before he died. Listen to what Enoch's name means. I know one of the words. I'm forgetting the other one. So I got to, when I say it, you're going to think he couldn't remember that. The name Enoch, according to Hitchcock's Bible Dictionary, simply means dedicated or disciplined. Dedicated or disciplined. What miracles does the Bible tell us Enoch was involved with? What great battles did Enoch fight and win? What great things did Enoch do compared to some of what the other men in the Bible did? Nothing that we know of. All we know is, according to Hebrews, Enoch did basically one thing. He just... Walked with God every day. I preached to some men this morning. You show up to church on Sunday and visit God. But where are you, man? Because the rest of the week you go off and do your own thing, live your own way. And God's asking you today, where are you, Adam? I don't want you just to have some great experience with me on Sunday morning or Sunday night. And then you, I, just, I just want you to be dedicated and disciplined. My, my, I heard my dad say something recently. I can't remember if it was one of his broadcasts or what. I, I heard my dad say something I've never heard him say before. And I, I really appreciate it. It helped me so much. And I, I don't want I, I, I to give any of you husbands or fathers an excuse today. And if you take this and use it for that, then... then you're, you're completely missing the point, okay? But you know what? We, we haven't always, in fact, I'll just be very transparent. Rarely have we been consistent in my house to have devotional time as a family. And I, I got, there's a lot of days I question and regret. Especially when my kids were younger, should I have done better? Should we have done more? Should we have had more time together? Should we have had more Bible study together? Should we? And I, I, I and, and and for the most part, I walk away thinking we we probably should have. But what I have tried my best to do is, while we may not have had family devotion on a regular basis. I have tried to the best of my ability for my kids to see me Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, walking with God. And I heard my dad just recently say, because I can't tell you when I was growing up, I bet some of you would probably think Bishop Wright had 5 a.m. prayer and devotion every morning at the right household. In fact, I'm not saying it never happened. I'm just going to say I can't recall one time 
where we had some kind of family plan devotion. If you're doing that, please don't stop. Hello? If you're doing that, please don't stop. Again, don't use me as a cop-out to say, well, pastor and bishop never did that. That's not my point. But here is my concern. I've seen households where it was known that they had scheduled family devotions on some kind of a regular basis. But I've watched the kids in that home grow up and walk away from God. And I've often been puzzled by that. But I think I have a general answer for that. Some people were using a set devotional time to make up for all the other times where they weren't simply consistently walking with God. And I know the story is not finished, and as long as my four kids are alive, it's not over with. But I think so far my method has worked pretty good. That's what's so awesome to me about the story of Enoch. I heard a message the other day. I, I was listening to it in the background while I was doing I haven't just been watching Red Bull TV. Listening to a message the other day, and the title of it was, You're Not David. It's kind of funny because we always assume that the examples in the Bible, we are them too. And so we, you know, I'm David. I'm going to go out. I mean, I am David, but not that David. I'm going to go out and I'm going to face Goliath and I'm going to slay Goliath. You may not be that David. You might end up getting whipped. Because read Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, the first part of it's awesome. Through faith, they did this. Through faith, they did that. They conquered this. They saw this. This happened. But then the, then, then the last part of it says, and others. Not every Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. I'm sorry, but I, we, we all hold on to the fact if you're in the lion's den, hey, Daniel came out of the lion's den untouched. So, no, you might actually end up being food for the lions that night. But here's the point. That's not intended to be a discouraging thing. The point is, I can't manufacture a Goliath. I'm not going to the zoo and asking if I can spend the night with the lions. So there are great accomplishments that those men did that you and I may never do simply because the opportunity may never present itself. Y'all all right? Am I making sense? It's okay. I'm almost done. But you know what? David, who defeated Goliath and had a lot of great other accomplishments, died. Joseph, who was used in such a powerful way for the salvation of his family and all the other things, died. Moses died. Abraham died. Peter died. Paul died. Enoch was rewarded and never saw death. And what amazes me about that is the one that was rewarded in that way is the one that every single one of us can emulate. I may not have a Goliath to kill, 
but I can just walk. I may not ever have to spend the night in the lion's den, but I can be disciplined and dedicated. My kids can see me respond to adversity with the right attitude. And my kids can see me respond to mistreatment without saying harsh words in return. My, my wife can watch me live a life of commitment and dedication. And that's the thing that God rewarded. Just stand, please. I had a question today to this congregation gathered here and to those of you that may be watching from home. Where, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? Why are you giving up your role and responsibility? Why, why are you hiding? Why are you in some place that is not what I created? Why are you living below the purpose that I created you for? wonder if God's looking around today at some hedges and saying, I, I need a man. I need a man. I can't find a man. I need a man who will step in and make up the hedge. I, I need a man that's not going to simply try to find the simple, easy way. I, I need a man that's willing to step in and stand between what I want protected and the adversity that may come. Where? Where are you, Adam? In order to kind of make this hopefully as simple for those of you, brethren, that maybe you are still trying to keep some distance and be mindful of social distancing. The invitation I'm going to give, I'm giving it for you to come and present yourself to the Lord not going to ask anybody to come and pray for you, pray with you. This is going to be you and Jesus right now. So hopefully, if you don't want anybody touching you at this point, that those parameters will help you feel comfortable. I don't care how young, and I realize there's some that are too young to grasp or understand what's been preached. But beyond that, no age limit, no minimum age. I like to open up this, I guess, altar area. (laughs) And I ask, where are you today, Adam? Are you hiding? Are you out of position? Or... Where are you, Adam? You'll just come and recommit because I think there's some of you, you're hiding, but there's others of you, you're already in that hedge. You're already making up that gap, and so I invite you to come as a recommitment to say, God, if you're looking for a man, if you're looking for a husband, if you're looking for a father, if you're looking for someone to stand up and be a man that you've called them and created them to be, I, I want you to know I'm committed to that. I'm, I'm not going to run from that. I'm not going to hide from that responsibility. I, I'm not going to let society, I'm not going to let the culture I'm in, I'm not going to let the world around me dictate what I am and who I am. Come on, brethren. Come on, brethren. Would you recommit today? God, I'm just... 
It may not be all that glamorous. They may not put me on Red Bull. But I'm just going to walk one day, one step at a time. Not just one day a week, not just on Sunday, 365 days a week or a year. 365 days a year. It might not make good TV, my life. It might not be very entertaining, my accomplishments. But God, I'm going to commit. I'm just going to walk. I'm going to be dedicated. I'm going to be disciplined. Those of you that you do family devotion, those of you that have set time with your family, don't stop it, but don't let that be just to hide or cover up the fact that the rest of the time you're hiding. The rest of the time you're you're hiding because you know you're not really being who you're supposed to be. You're, you're not really doing what God created you to do. I'm sorry, Lord. Oh, God. Help us to shake off some unwarranted fear today. God, I pray for my brothers today, those who are battling fear. The enemy's trying to paralyze them with fear. The enemy's trying to paralyze them with fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection. God, I pray that that unwarranted fear would be broken today. In the name of Jesus. It's all about you. In the name of Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you. Hear, hear me for a moment. Hear me for a moment, brethren. I just. I guess call it a revelation. If, if the thing God's looking for you to do is just walk with Him, if that's what God's ultimately look, He's just looking for you to walk with Him. What's the what's the worst failure basically that could happen? Say. You stumble, you fall, you trip. How about this? A righteous man. A righteous man falls, but he gets back up. So the only thing to really be afraid of if I'm just trying to walk with him has already been dealt with. And another place the prophet said, rejoice not against me, not if, but when I fall, I shall arise. So brethren, what's there to fear of failing? It's already been addressed. You're going to fall. But when you fall, get back up again and just keep walking.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's all about you. It's not even about me anyway. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's not even about me. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I made. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. And it's all it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. One more time, I just want to say thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here the past several weeks. Again, in just a few moments, you want to take a minute and say hello to somebody or whatever, that's that's fine. But uh, instead of just everybody assuming somebody else is doing it, can I see the hands of a few of you that will help us out for a few minutes with the equipment? Help us getting it upstairs and where it needs to go. Awesome. Thank you so much again to all of you fathers today. We honor you. Hope that you have a wonderful day. I remind you that there is no live stream this evening. That way you've got as much time as you want to fellowship and relax and rest today. God bless you.